A huge welcome back to Stage Left with Jen Harvey, my podcast where I interview performance makers about how they make a performance. On this episode, I'm really delighted to have Rosanna Cade and Ivor McCaskill, who are partners and collaborators and performance artists based in Glasgow. Rosanna Cade is an artist who principally works in live performance. She's best known for Walking Holding, which is a performance where one audience member at a time meets a sequence of individual performers with whom that audience member holds hands and walks through the city. It's a beautiful exploration of intimacy and public visibility of difference and relationships. She's also a performer in Nick Green's Cock and Bull, which she and I discussed with Nick in episode three of Stage Left. Ivor McCaskill is a performance maker for both children and adults. His performance for adults, Stud, is an extraordinarily beautiful and poignant and hilarious exploration of female masculinity. His work for children includes many internationally touring shows with the Polar Bears, including the latest The Polar Bears Go Go Go. Rosanna and Ivor also collaborate as performance makers in the anti-genre concept band Double Pussy Clitfuck, and they're collaborating now on this show, Moot Moot which they produced first and premiered at the Yard Theatre in East London in 2017 and have toured since then and are now showing at the 2019 Edinburgh Festival Fringe and then are planning to tour. At the Fringe, the show is part of both the Made in Scotland showcase and the British Council showcase, so it's very highly promoted. In Moot Moot, Rosanna and Ivor are strangely playful and weirdly isolated identical radio hosts, Barry and Barry, in matching polyester suits, white socks, headphones, spectacles and moustaches on matching wheelie office chairs. They host a chat show that almost no one calls into. Think Alan Partridge meets Samuel Beckett. Here's Ivor describing the show. So what you see in the show is uh, we are playing two people. I won't call them characters because they're not really fleshed out characters, but two people called uh, Barry and Barry, who look the same, who talk the same, and who deliver this, some sort of talk show called The Barry and Barry Show. Good afternoon. You are tuning in to The Barry and Barry Show. It's Barry here. And it's Barry here. Oh, I'm good, thanks, Barry. The piece is these two guys basically trying to fill dead air and connect with people beyond themselves. So they're always asking for everyone to get in touch. Get in touch. Get in touch. Because here at the Barry and Barry Show, it's all about you and your opinions. All about you and your opinions. To get in touch with their opinions, with their uh, thoughts, with what's happening in the world today and how it makes you feel. And... We use uh, cliched phrases that are repeated over and over again. Doling out your daily dose of deep debate. Yeah, your deep dose of daily debate. Get in touch with the Barry and Barry Show. And while that's happening, there's a sort of live sound world being created by our collaborator, Yaz Clark, who's manipulating our voices and then bringing in lots of jingles and lots of uh, strange sound effects. So that something quite familiar is then made quite strange and sort of falls apart throughout the show. It's all about you and your opinions. It's all about you and your opinions. When we first started working on Moot Moot, we thought we were going on a process to explore concepts of good and evil and how they're used by people in power. We were interested in 
who's able to debate certain topics, what voices are heard. We were making it in 2017. Mm. And we were listening to lots of different phone-in radio shows. We started playing around with them, um, having our own phone-in talk show. And we we'd found these two men in our research who were both called Barry, who were like 1970s radio DJs. And they looked exactly the same, even though they were two different people. Did they work to, those berries work together? No, they no. had separate shows. We were watching um, an interview with them, which was about a talk radio host in America who was murdered. Like a shock jockey kind of guy mm. who was then murdered by a listener as he was leaving the studio. And so these two Barrys, who were also radio hosts, were on TV talking about what could you say and what couldn't you say. And, and that was in sort of in the 70s, so there was a... I guess we were trying to make that link between where are we at now and what you're allowed to say and what causes offence. And Yeah, there was a quote by one of those Barrys, and I can't remember it exactly, but it's something like, America is built on the will of good men to disagree. And we got talking a lot about these people who are able to sort of disagree and that feels okay, versus how sometimes you'll have a voice on the radio that's much more emotional that you don't hear as much or that will quickly be ridiculed or shut down and it's perhaps they're not able to debate in the same way because what they're talking about is something that will actually affect their life in a really direct way. Interestingly today I was just seeing some debates online about um, stuff to do with trans rights and people sort of feeling like a lot of trans activists aren't up for having a debate and they respond really emotionally and I what I feel is like it's really hard for people to enter into debate about something when it means like life or death for them, basically. Mm. And I think we were interested in this idea of like this very rational voice or what we see as like the normal or the neutral, which I think in the UK really for a long time and still in general is like a, a sort of cis male voice. Let's agree to disagree. Something about Moot Moot is that it has quite a retro feel in some ways and also is somehow in this weird dystopic future as well because it's a little bit sort of sci-fi and we were sort of thinking about this time that we're in where it feels like on the one hand there's a real pull backwards, people like Donald Trump being elected and resurgence of some like more traditional ideas in the face of people who are really trying to pull things forward and be more progressive. So that's part of where me came fascinating because I participated in some workshops with you guys so I knew, I knew about the good and evil thing but it's interesting to look back on that after the show is made because it actually it's really heavy a lot of what you've just described in terms of the the landscape that you started with like kind of emotional and political landscape and the show isn't I mean it's it's got depth and intellectual engagement and it's really funny and absurd <laughs> So it's interesting to me where that initial stuff ended up. You know, we were making a show because, well, you'd been commissioned by Fierce and the Marlboro and, and then we started working together on something. So it was an idea of like, okay, we have to make something. And what is it that we want to explore? So I suppose there's that personal connection for us trying to go, what is the world doing just now? How are we fitting into that? How are we connecting with it? And... I think definitely at that point, I don't know how we feel now, but it's, yeah, there is a lot of darkness and and worry there. And like, it was definitely a sense of how do we connect with people who have a completely different opinion from us? Someone had said something about this 
split between kind of liberal ideas and conservative ideas and there being just a completely different way of looking at the world and not even in just in politics but whether you think the world is out to get you or you're you're able to help other people in the world it's got all those big existential questions for us and our friends and and people who are in our own bubble but yeah it couldn't have all of that yeah I think one thing is even though for a while I was sure I was making a very serious show I did then realize that actually if me and Ivan make stuff together then like humor is such a big part of our relationship and how we are together on stage in general and that I can't you be can't serious. be serious <laughs> and I find you very funny and but I think there is so much heaviness in in all that stuff we were talking about and that and it was the year after the Brexit vote once we started looking at debate and thinking about all these different streams that there are um, in our lives now where people have a chance to broadcast their opinion we sort of we're thinking about what it feels like to live in this time and be engaging with all those streams on a daily basis and actually like I suppose for me personally I find it incredibly overwhelming and also sometimes I realize it makes me quite numb as well because it's like I will wake up and I will actually probably look at my phone maybe go on Facebook and then I will see like something really really awful and then someone's got a new dog what is it to hear and see so much information all the time from a really random assortment of people mm. part of it was the idea of the piece is to look at that and look at that repetitive nature of how we're engaging with those things and the absurdity in it and actually finding a lightness in that is maybe um, a helpful way out because otherwise I don't know where you go with it's it bleak and horrible yeah because yeah, this is a show that matters it's a show that matters about the matters that matter most to you today that's right this is a show that matters about the matters that matter most to you today 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 to you 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 to me to you to you to you it's a really physical show you also have two wheelie chairs a sort of executive wheelie chairs on stage and you do a lot of business with the with the chairs <laughs> and and it's just you and the chairs on stage as well and then Yaz is in sort of at the edge of the auditorium and so you move around the space a lot so wh- where did the chairs come from and what's that business about which I found really funny at one point we were thinking a lot about how people are broadcasting their opinion which a lot of the time is happening from people perhaps sat uh, on a computer somewhere and we started looking at office chairs and we at one point imagined the whole show would be us just like we'd just be sitting on chairs the whole time there's this sort of like phrase about the armchair activist or whatever exploring the chairs allowed us to I think embody some of the feelings within the piece and this sense of like exhausting every possibility Mm. but never quite being able to get out of your situation there's a lot of shapes in it that are a bit like us spiraling and circling and coming back on ourselves and um, a lot of that is to do with this repetitive... Like the echo chamber. Yeah, an element of the echo chamber in conversations that are repeating themselves and, and going around and things swinging one way and then swinging the other way. I mean, they're also really fun and funny and, and these chairs that we've got have got some sort of surprise <laughs> elements to them. Um, they also allow us to lie like completely horizontal as well and kind of flattened by things. Exactly. <laughs> or exhausted by them or something. Yeah, exhausted, overwhelmed... 
the section of the show where we really push the limits of these chairs, which are quite fancy chairs, to be honest. So they go back and they have bits that come out. And while we're doing that, we're still trying to do this radio show. If it was a radio show, you could be in a studio and no one can see what you're doing, but you've still got this outer sense of like oh we're just it's all business as usual but nobody knows what's actually going on behind the scenes so I suppose that's being behind a screen being on Twitter saying anything that you want um, that nobody really gets to see what's actually happening behind mm. and yeah I think that sort of playfulness and ridiculousness is mm. becomes quite useful as things start to pull apart within the show but I think in practical terms and in choreographic terms I think having those chairs are really important for the guys to feel at very at ease. Like, they're just sitting in their own chairs, they're in control, everything's fine. It's a bit like a talk show, it's a bit like Mastermind, or, but they still need to move and keep things going. So even just moving the chairs around the space sort of churns things up and mm. gives the audience a little bit of time to go, what is going on here? Mm. And are they going to start again at the beginning or are they ever going to move on? It's the Barry and Barry Show. The Barry and Barry Show. You are listening to Barry and Barry and Barry and Barry Show. Barry and the Barry Show. Some of the main themes that people feel coming through are to do with connection and loneliness. There's times when we are so, so, so close together in the piece and like this idea of quite a, perhaps a claustrophobic space. We have a light really just picking us out um, in a small bit of the stage very far away from the audience. And then times when we really go to opposite ends of the stage as well yeah it feels like all the elements of the piece actually the lighting and the sound and our use of the minimal set allow us to explore those themes I suppose visually Get I wanted to ask about the relationship between the berries <laughs> so on one hand the berries seem like they could be the same guy mm. the same person or twins or like I don't know time travellers or something like that and then at the end of the show, you have a duet where you look out of the audience and you sing about wanting to look through each other's eyes. And I was thinking about what is the relationship between the berries? Are they lovers? Are they friends? Are they brothers, twins? How do you imagine the berries are related? Or, mm. And what do you think you want the audience to understand about the berries? For me, the two berries are sort of more like symbols than characters in a mm. way. And I really like it that people are reading different things. And actually, in terms of me as a performer when I'm doing it, I do feel differently about them in different times. Quite early on, one of the ideas that I had was that the show's actually in this dystopic future where we've created robots to do basically most jobs. And these are like robots who've been programmed to be radio presenters but all the humans have died, which is why no one's um, no one phones getting in. in touch. And they're just like caught in this program yeah. that has been programmed into them. And I mean, that isn't necessarily what the show is. And I wouldn't want to be like, so when you come to Moot Moot, that's the, that's the narrative. But that was one sort of imagining that I had. And I feel like there's something about our patterns of behaviour, recognising that we'd like turn our humanity off quite a lot and we have these ways of talking that are just pre-programmed so someone says how are you today so I'm good thanks how are you but there's no a natural connection to what we might actually be feeling yeah, that's not why I think no. <laughs> I think for me it's a bit more about us being the berries like we put on our suit and our fake moustache and our glasses and it's very it can be a convincing costume for some people but 
I think for me, there's something about the fact that the two of us as performers putting on these similar costumes are then presenting the same thing in sort of in quite different ways. There's something for me that's exciting about that of like even when you're exactly the same as someone else or you've got exactly the same set up or whatever the output could be quite different or mm. and there's the tension of how do you get through the next five minutes with someone else so like the the way that our show is set up it's it's in these time chunks so it's each bit is there's a bit of a game to play in terms of wordplay or word association and so there's a performance challenge there so my brain is going okay I just have to be on and see what Rosanna's going to send to me and then respond to that and so I think it then that allows us to have compassion for the idea of those characters of like so if I was a cis white man who was assigned male at birth and who had grown up feeling that everything I said was God's gift how would I be dealing with having my opinions heard or not having my opinions heard a lot of the time that identity might have all the problems of the world's kind of thrown at it sometimes with good reason but like how would that actually feel to be engaging with that and not understanding these other points of view that might be my actual point of view. And I think that, yeah, there definitely is something within the work that is about the prevalence of that kind of cis white male voice and this idea that sometimes it feels like you live in a world that is the Barry and Barry show and (laughs) and you're turning on the telly and it's two politicians speaking to each other. It might feel like it's actually the Barry and Barry show where they're basically (laughs) both men wearing a suit, speaking in the same accent, Mm to each other using similar vocabulary in terms of phrase and there's something in it of never being able to know exactly what someone else is experiencing but I think if you think about it being the same person as well and someone trying to work through something or understand something about themselves and how to be and the sort of loneliness and isolation that you feel on your own in your own thoughts I think that's also really present. Because we do other performance work where we dress exactly the same and part of it is about like um, what it is to be with other people who are really, really similar to you. I think in the process we were talking about the idea of the echo chamber or the bubble, but not just critiquing it, like Mm. trying to have a nuanced approach to that because there's loads of reasons why we surround ourselves with like-minded people it's not comfort yeah and familiarity and things like that but I was also thinking you described Barry as a cis white man and I also you know Barry's obviously queered as well because it's you two performing Barry so there's cis white man but I don't necessarily see that entirely Mm. I see so much um tenderness actually Mm. in the way that you perform the berries it might be kind of irritating white cis man kind of a dad Actually, you have the suit that my dad had in the 70s <laughs> and the same glasses. <laughs> my dad didn't have the mustache. But that character has got a, I don't know, charm is probably not quite the right word, but a, um, I felt affection for mm. Barry. And I feel like you guys feel affection for Barry. Yeah, definitely. And I think that they're also trying to be entertaining and they're trying to connect and they're doing their best as well. Yeah. So there's definitely, you know, there's that attempt that is endearing 
they're they're just nice guys, you know. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong, you know? But they're but I suppose they're also the kind of nice guys who you wouldn't think they would do anything, and then suddenly Me Too comes along, and then you're like, oh, but they did that really dodgy thing that nobody talked about, or they just could be caught up in that or something. I yeah, don't know. it's interesting. I mean, maybe they're kind of blank in lots of ways that audiences can project onto um, yeah. potentially. I think there's a desperation mm. in them. So even though it starts very smarmy and seductive, you know, we're trying to seduce people, you begin to see them struggle and they're having to do this repetitive thing. And, and maybe that allows like more affection to come in for them. They definitely have a, a fondness for each other. And, you know, that's partly from listening to people that we perhaps find a bit annoying but uh <laughs> some like radio shows that are two men who are good friends you know i think queer people that watch it do hear some little hints about a queer subtext going on there you are tuning in to the barry and barry show it's barry here and it's barry here and it's barry here how are you today barry yeah i'm good thanks barry how are you 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 i'm good thanks. you refer to the fact that you haven't made a lot of performance work together although you have really great independent careers as performance makers you do perform together as a band double pussy clip fuck where you wear matching outfits which are very very beautiful and you made a fabulous calendar for 2018 um, and then Rosanna you referred earlier to the fact that you have been on stage together and improvised a long time ago um, but both of you have different performance careers and and different strengths you talked Rosanna about Either being funny and having to accommodate that in the show. Comedy genius is what somebody <laughs> suggested. So, but yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I would agree. So, what is it that you've brought from your different practices to this show? Well, I just start with a funny, quick anecdote, which is that our production manager, who came on board with Moot Moot recently, <laughs> we hadn't met her before, and after about two days, we were having a drink at the end of the getting day, and she was like oh, guys, I get it, Rosanna, you know, I come to you, you're the one who knows what's happening, you're organising everything, you've got the answers for the questions, you're like, you're keeping the whole thing going. And I was like, yeah, 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 no, that is me. I'm glad that you can see all the work that I'm doing. And then she went, and Ivor, you're the comedy genius. And I was like, <laughs> what? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I like to think that I am funny as well. <laughs> But, you are very funny. No, but you are obviously funny, and that's fine. For the record, I think you're both really funny. Okay, thanks. thanks. <laughs> and it's not a competition. It's no. about trying to create something beautiful <laughs> together. No, but it is a good question, and the question is, what do we bring from other... Your practices. So I'm thinking, yeah. for example... Ivor, you make a lot of performance for children. Yeah. And, for example, all your polar bears work. You don't speak, you make noises. And yeah. it's very physical. But, Rosanna, lots of your work is quite physical as well, I think. Um, so I'd, I'm just interested in, you know, the kind of what you think is your practice and how you think that's you've brought that to the table here. In our practice, I guess the main thing is that the different pieces are quite diverse. So there is, like, the polar bear show that I do is sort of mime and clowning and is for very young children... And then the cabaret stuff that we do together is definitely not really for children, but then, <laughs> you know, they all kind of blend together. And, so, mm. and when you're performing, for me, it all sort of feels like this, the same kind of thing of like, is the audience looking at me? What is that connection? We make things that are all quite different to each other in lots of ways and definitely very different forms. Like, you know, main piece I've toured with is Walking Holding, where my main role in that is facilitating participants really and creating a route in public space and then 
I think definitely like the work that I've been involved with with Nick Green and Laura Bradshaw probably had some influence in this process partly because those things were happening alongside each other and I feel like a lot of the work that I've made if I think about sort of walking holding and my big sister taught me this lap dance which is another one-on-one there's questions there about connection and intimacy and they are intimate performances in their form as well and I feel like this piece is also asking questions about connection and disconnection and intimacy and it talks about connection all the way through and yet we never connect with the audience at all you know it's a real departure actually from the form of those other pieces and at first I thought we were making a completely different work and then I'm like the themes of it are so connected actually to conversations that I have when I'm with a group of people making walking holding even though the piece is so different I feel like there's a real thematic thread absolutely I agree with you yeah how is it making work as a couple lovers and artists together it's really great (laughs) (laughs) gritted teeth (laughs) lovely I think at the beginning of making this show there was definitely a weariness and probably a sense of the difference between our practices of like how can we actually meet in the middle how can we look through each other's eyes kind of thing for me it brought up like sort of sense of insecurity of like does Rosanna actually think that my work is any good or will she think that I'm just stupid and just do children's things and or just want to have a laugh or all these kind of insecurities came up so there was a definitely a, a beginning period of having to get through those and also we were lucky to get space at the National Theatre of Scotland which has these massive studios and we, the two of us were going in there and going mm, okay so what are we going to do and we had to get over that initial phase but also we were not turning up as our best selves like if you turn up to a job that's not yours maybe you're going to put your best foot forward and go yep I'm ready I've got some ideas and even if you don't really like what the other person's saying you're like okay yeah let's let's try it (laughs) and we were not always doing that it's like "Mm, I don't think that's a good idea I'm not going to do that no so you're kind of less disciplined with each other yeah 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 but I think we got through that yeah we (laughs) yeah we I I feel like we developed our collaborative practice so hugely through Mm. making moot moot um which is one of the reasons why we want to carry on working together because it's like that was a lot of learning (laughs) let's (laughs) let's use it for something else because i I think we did struggle at the beginning and one thing we learned was that we should travel to the studio separately (laughs) because it gave a distance i suppose between home and work and when we were traveling together we'd just get in such a bad mood (laughs) (laughs) this sounds familiar (laughs) It really made a difference. Yeah, I think there was insecurity at the beginning from both of us. I, you thought mm. I would think you were just silly and I thought that you thought I was too earnest. Um, and then for the first half of the process, we just couldn't really agree about anything that we wanted to do. And we did think we were going to make a show that was both of us doing a different show on stage <laughs> at the same time, which I still think would be quite a good idea. Maybe we should do that. But then actually once we found... Barry and Barry and started improvising with that it was like something just clicked and I think Mm. we know when we're onto something but I think it is hard to balance the collaborative relationship and the partner relationship because when you're working on a different project like I can get very very insecure when I'm making work um, before showing something and therefore I might just want either to (laughs) just be like oh it's going to be okay and you know like your partner can offer you comfort in times of stress 
Whereas with a collaborator, I might not let out all my insecurities. And I think that there were times when maybe I in particular was uh, (laughs) feeling very, very anxious and would let you know that because I'm used to letting you know that as my partner. (laughs) But then actually as a collaborator, that was really not great for the process. So I think learning how to be partners and collaborators at the same time actually can be quite difficult. Yeah, but I I think we we have found that working together and sort of maybe the second half of that process and continuing making work together has been really useful for us as a couple because it is a way of processing the world and life and when we first started making this show there was a lot of stuff about our lesbian identity and I was identifying as female and now I identify as male so there's been a sort of transition well lots of transitions happening all at once and actually by having a creative practice together that's allowed us different inroads and different ways of thinking about our personal life as well so that's been a really good side of it although not always easy but (laughs) Mm. yeah I feel like it's in lots of ways really good for our relationship and it's something that we share Mm. Uh, and yeah sometimes you can feel really disconnected from your partner if you've not seen them for ages and you've both been doing different things which is the nature of our life some of the time anyway so means we're in the same place doing the same thing which is useful (laughs) and good (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Lois Weaver talks about her and Peggy Shaw's split britches and how much she enjoys, you know, hitting moments together. And when we we were all watching you guys as your band on the weekend, and Lois said she felt like she saw that with you guys, that you have that timing. And comic timing is part of it. Mm. But also emotional timing, I guess, is maybe part of it, that mm. people who are emotionally involved with each other bring to performance. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's not necessarily the same for everyone who's in a romantic relationship but um because actually moot moot is something that is these very tightly structured improvisations I can't think of anyone else that I would do that with on stage like I do think we just know each other in a slightly different way and I think that does come from our relationship I mean yeah even in practical terms I suppose you've got a shared language and rhythm uh, where you know we are talking to each other most days so then when you try and do an improvisation task that comes quite easily as well and you've got the same sorts of things that going around in your head so, yeah. I'd like to ask you a bit more about the improvisation because improvisation is really obviously really important it structures the whole show you're obviously improvising with Yaz Clark as well the, the sound designer and sound technician why did you decide to make a show structured around a series of improvisations we were making material through improvisation, which feels like a good way for us to generate material. And then we had this stage in the process where we'd been doing lots of these improvisations and we felt like what was coming up was really interesting and we were starting to capture them. And, you know, Yaz was in the room with us. And then we were like, okay, so how do we make this into a show that would then be repeated? And we tried to script something and then we tried to work with the script from... Ivor's shaking his head. Improvisation. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> uh, it just died. And I think that perhaps with a bit more time, like we would actually be able to deliver something that was scripted and it still filled alive. I don't think we we're incapable of doing that. But we were then thinking about the form of radio and this task that people that are presenting radio have, which is to keep speaking up until a certain time and then this thing's going to come in. Mm-hmm. And it gives it this energy... Yeah, it's not like the whole show is completely different every night. There's basically these very strict rules. You know, one section, you can either repeat what the other person said or you repeat it and then you add something on. And we know we've got to get through a certain amount of 
catchphrases in six minutes and it's you know and, and the more we've done it the more kind of set little bits get so we were sort of then looking at the dynamics of conversation mm. which are sometimes it's like people constantly being interrupted never being able to get to the end of what they're saying because someone disagrees with a small thing or or it's um the idea of the echo chamber which is like people just repeating what the other person said back at them so yeah sort of using some of those mm. to structure the improvisations but it, it was really about i suppose the form of radio and and recognizing that it felt like a good way for us to perform um what next for Caden McCaskill mm. or individually <laughs> Well, we've had a few residencies looking towards making a new piece and responding to my gender transition, which uh, while we've been doing that, we've kept going, is this a good idea? But it's, it definitely is, seems to be helping us. So we're looking towards making a sort of trans-queer response to the story of Pinocchio with the idea of it being the, the quest to become a, a real boy in a post-truth world. So that's, yeah, that's... Kind of far on the horizon, is it 2020? 2021, yeah. that would be on. We were wanted to make something that would have a really long process, partly because of the personal nature of what we're working with, but also like the nature of transition and change and allowing that to really have some time around it. So, yeah, that's like a long-term process. And we'll be doing some workshops in the next year about that because we're interested in exploring the themes with wider groups of people it might not be a really directly autobiographical piece mm. but it might be okay well thank you very much rosanna cade and ivor mccaskill and break a leg with moot moot at edinburgh this summer it's all about you and your opinions it's all about you and your opinions moot moot is at summer hall at the edinburgh festival fringe from the 8th to 25th of august 2019 for future touring dates, please see the websites of Rosanna Cade and Ivor McCaskill. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review us and recommend it to friends. And please also join me for the next episode where I interview Breach Theatre about their extraordinary show, It's True, It's True, It's True. <laughs>